The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. It's David and Isaac. This is Hoop Ball Grizz. We are back to look at game three, look ahead to game four. Game four is tonight. We were recording this late. We got started a couple times, got distracted, but we're back at it again. Isaac, how's it going, man? Man, doing well. Uh, doing well, man. Uh, ready ready for, for game four. Uh, I think the Grizzlies have a, a, a opportunity. I think I think it's a must-win game. Uh, I think we in the post-game press conference, uh, DB and as well as Jaron Jackson kind of echoed those sentiments. And I mean, it's not must-win technically, but I think if they're going to have a chance to advance from this series, I think they have to win. You go down 3-1 against a team like Utah going back to Salt Lake City, it's going to be really tough. So I think they have to win tonight. But look back to game three, um, even though they lost the game, there are some positives I think you could take out of this game to carry on into game four. Yeah, yeah, 100%. There were a lot of things. You know, the the final score won uh, this loss at 121 to 111. So 10-point loss for the Grizzlies. But they were in this game. That The 10 points to me doesn't really – throughout the game, it kind of felt like a grind. It felt like the, the Jazz were – just staying ahead enough that the Grizzlies were not going to catch them. But then the Grizzlies did. Jaron Jackson in the second half played phenomenal. And, and I think that you said it, and I agree wholeheartedly, like his best performance since returning was in the second half of, of game three. Yeah, I mean, he had 16 points in game two and only scored nine in, in game three. But I think by far, I think if you look at the second half, he, he really spearheaded that run for the Grizzlies with his rebounding, his hustle and effort and on the defensive end. Hold on, really you said his his what? <laughs> what what? <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, and, and, and I mean the, the naysayers are still out there. Even after this game, I had some people saying how terrible he was in this game, and I'm like, you didn't watch this game. If it wasn't for Jaron, they wouldn't have come back in this game. I mean, the, the plays that he made. I mean, there was some offensive rebounds where he was keeping keeping plays alive, tipped some balls out. I mean, he was played phenomenal um, in, in that second half, and was really. Kind of like I said, spearheaded that run for the Grizzlies, and I don't think they would have got back in this game without him. I mean, his, his three's still not falling, but he was doing other things that really had a huge impact on the, for this team in the second half. Look at the plus minus, man. Jaron Jackson was even. He he wasn't positive or negative. On, the other started four yeah. starters were a combined negative fifty five. Don't don't tell me he didn't play well in this game. Yeah, nine and nine doesn't look like a massive stat line, and it's not. But numbers are not everything. I think that this conversation has been had billions of times. Of The numbers don't always tell the story of a player's impact on the game. And his defense in the pick and roll, which the Grizzlies have struggled with, was phenomenal. Yeah. The rebounding. He said, he said all the right things in the post-game press conference about what he needed to do and what the Grizzlies needed him to do in order to be successful. And it's, to me, it's 100% a must win. Like they're not eliminated if they don't win this game, but the odds of them beating Utah two more times on their home floor, it's, it's rough. And then on top of having to beat them twice on their home floor, you got to beat them three in a row. And beating a team three times in a row is, is is really hard, especially, you know, there's times when you match up against a team and you're just significantly better and you can beat them three times in a row and it's not a problem. But that's not the case. No. This Utah Jazz team is, is a good team and the Grizzlies will definitely struggle to beat them 
if it comes to the point that they have to beat them three times in a row. Man, yeah, I go ahead, man. I was gonna say, yeah, if they go down three one, I mean, it's it, it, it's pretty much lights out. You go down three one, you're heading back to Salt Lake City, back against the wall. I mean, and you look at a team that they only lost five games at home in the regular season. I mean, that team. I mean, the fact that they won one game, and I know you go back and say Donovan Mitchell didn't play, but that team was still really, really good without Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, he he missed a lot of time at the end of the season, and they maintained the number one seed without him. So I mean, that that, that's why when I look back at it, I don't really think that's a huge deal because I think they still they're still a really good team even without him. And I mean, to to think that you have to beat them two more times on the floor, which means you would have defeated them three times in the series in order to win. That's just a uphill battle and I just don't see that happening so and I think the guys understand that I mean they talked about it Jared especially talked about it in the postgame presser after game three that this is a must win I think they understand the moment they understand that this is one that they have to go out there and get and I like the attitude I like everything that was said in the press conference the way they're going into this game and the way they're focusing I, I think they I, I think they have a chance um, I mean we again you look at this game and Taylor Jenkins was asked in the postgame presser about how he felt about what happened in the fourth quarter, uh, how, how they, they kind of had some breakdowns there late in the game. And, and his sentiment was basically, we lost the game in the first quarter. And and when you look at that, it didn't really feel that way throughout the game. It kind of felt like it was uphill battle pretty much until they kind of made that run. But they lose the first quarter 34-22. to 22. They win the second quarter 29-28. They tie in the third quarter 34-34. to 34. And they win the fourth quarter 26-25. to 25. So outside mm-hmm. of that, that first quarter, the Grizzlies were plus two in this game. Yeah, so, you know, if you play that first quarter even, the end of this game is completely different. I'm not saying that the Grizzlies win this game, but if you're not down a dozen coming out of the first, you you got a legitimate shot at winning this game, and they they did anyway. They they fought back. They took the lead in the the fourth, and then the Jazz went on a, a monster run. And that, you know, we, we asked Jenkins about that, the postgame presser. And then um, Ja was asked about it the following day in Jenkins as well. And they were happy with the shot selection and the looks that they got, but the shots were just not falling for them. Jenkins mentioned um, maybe rushing a couple times, taking a couple shots too early in the shot clock. But other than that, he he said, you know, we we really had good looks. They just were not falling. Uh, Mentioned execution, making sure that we're executing. You're going to have to do that against the – a Utah Jazz team that that's really good on the defensive end. Uh, that's that's been a focus. That's you know execution, staying locked in, full forty eight minutes are phrases that you're hearing from these guys over and over and over again. And, and look, man, I I know that you don't like this. I, I know that you're not a fan of of this, but this is a young team, and so the stuff that they're getting from this series, the things that they're learning. The you know watching Ja blossom you know like his coming out. If you did not know who Ja Morant was, first you were living under a rock. But <laughs> if you didn't know before the playoffs, you know who he is now. Like he he is he was already pretty well known on the national level, and now he's getting you know a, a lot more exposure, and he's doing things to deserve that. But this experience for this team is like in the long run, going to be fantastic. And and this is not me saying, oh, well, they can't win because they're a young team. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying the Jazz have been here before, and the Grizzlies have a lot of guys that have not. 
And to, to watch these guys kind of learning on the fly and the adjustments that they're able to make is really encouraging for the future. Oh, when it, when it comes to this situation, I mean, you're, you're one versus eight. I completely agree. And in the general terms, I, I, I kind of don't agree with that sentiment, but I think this is fantastic for these guys. And even if they go on to lose this series, one thing I'm excited about is kind of just what you laid out that, I mean, most, most people knew who John Morant was, but I think now he's on the national stage. I mean, the Grizz have been, Grizz Jazz series has been one of the most watched out of the playoffs. You had a lot of people saying nobody would watch this series, be boring, Golden State would have been better. And I, I think I think the Grizzlies are would give them more of a challenge. I think I honestly think Golden State would have got swept. I mean, that's yeah, not me being I, a homer. That's just that's kind of how I feel about it. But mm-hmm. uh, I, I love the fact that that Jaws getting this national exposure. You got DB doing what he's doing, and I love the fact that people around the league are, are starting to hate him. That lets you know that he's doing something right. Uh, that that people around the league are starting to, to hate him, and I love it. I love the way he feeds off of that, and I love the way he's getting national attention as well. And for this team, I think this is just the beginning, and I'm glad that they got this stage because I believe they're going to have this stage a lot more in the future. I think this is just the beginning. I'm glad these guys are getting this experience because it's valuable. Um, I was sitting there watching that game the other night, and I was thinking, and if you lose this game and you lost a couple games now, you're down 2-1, to one, and it feels painful right now, but I think it's going to pay dividends in the future. Uh, you're always going to take lumps, going to take growing pains, and the fact that this team is still here being competitive I think is in year two is just fantastic. The fact that we we're not conceding that they're just going to lose this series uh, because of what they've shown out there, the, the competitive nature that they've shown in, in the series, that they're just not going to lay down and lose this series. I think that's fantastic. And, and it bodes really well for the future for this team. And again, I'm glad that they're getting this exposure because Grizzlies don't get a lot of national TV games. Uh, and now they're announced to the nation. Hey man, this is a team we're up and coming. We, we might be a couple pieces away, but this, we're going to be a team that, got to be dealt with for years to come and, and i'm excited about that yeah th- th- i think that changes next year john morant what he's doing that some of the he he's 101 points in his first three playoff games behind only two people kareem and wilt if you are in the same breath with either one of those guys whenever it comes to bas- basketball statistics phenomenal man they, they, like those are two of the greatest to ever play the game, and he's right there. The only two guys that he's behind, first three games, playoff scoring, Ja Morant, it goes, I think uh, Kareem is one, Wilt is two, and Ja is three. Or maybe the top two may be reversed. But just just insane stuff that he's doing. And Dylan Brooks is definitely developing into that guy that other teams love to hate. Um, I, I was talking to Sarah Todd. She is a, a beat writer for the Utah Jazz and we're going to try and get her on the show. I, I had her lined up to come on yesterday and then work happened. That, that's not going to happen. But I'm hoping sometime in this series that we can get Sarah on the show so she can talk about it. But I was listening to her podcast and they were praising Dylan Brooks. And her co-host actually said, he's like, I when I initially heard this uh, all defensive team stuff for Dylan Brooks. He didn't believe it. I, I wasn't about it. But yeah. he said now watching him in the Golden State game and watching him in the San Antonio game and going back and looking, that talk is warranted. And that's not that that he said that. And this is not a guy that's covering the Grizzlies. This is a guy that's covering the Jazz. So, you know, it's good. It's great to see these guys getting the recognition that they deserve. And obviously, you know, that's a, a smaller scale. 
but it, it's still great that, that other people are noticing these guys. And Dylan, not only defensively, he, he's been great on the offensive end, you know, fairly efficient. He was 11 for 24 in this game. It's a lot of shots, but that's not a bad percentage. You know, he's, no, not he's at all. one shot away from being 50% from the field and on a high volume at 50% well, bought, from yeah. the field, man, that, that's incredible. Um, some people were arguing, you know, kind of bashing him about a couple of the shots that he took early in the shot clock. And um, I, I'll kind of let you take it from there. But I, I didn't have an issue with, with those, the shots that he took because they were not bad looks. They were a little bit early. Is it possible that the Grizzlies could have got a better look? Maybe, maybe they could have got a better look. But if he knocks those shots down, we're not having any type of conversation about it. But I, I think you saw a little bit more. Maybe you engaged in a little more conversation whenever it came to that. What were you hearing about it? Yeah, real, real quick, before I touch on, on DB, uh, the, the excuses are over. I mean, the Grizzlies, they got to give the Grizzlies more national television games next year. They're playoff team now, so they can't blame it on losing, which you really can't even do that anyway because you see the Pelicans on the TV every other night, and they're, 12, I think, 12 games below 500 to finish the season. Uh, I mean, you, you, I mean, there, there's no excuse. You have a transitional star in, in John Moran, a guy that could be a face of the league, not just in Memphis, but has that personality in a way, the flair that he plays the game with that will excite people outside of Memphis. So uh, I would, if they don't get get more television, national television games next year, I don't, I don't know what to say. I mean, that's always been, <clears throat> excuse me, an issue here in Memphis, but they've never had a, a guy like John Morant. So we'll see next year, but I expect that they'll have significantly more uh, national television games next year. But yeah, man, to go back with the DB stuff, and there were a lot of people after after the game, uh, after game three, actually blaming Dylan Brooks for the loss. And I'm like, did you watch this game at all? First of all, if it wasn't for DB, they wouldn't even be they wouldn't even in the position for those shots to matter. Uh, I mean, outside of Jared, he, he was probably the biggest part of that comeback, along with with John Morant with what he his offense that that, that he was bringing. But he did did uh, he, he talked about it in the post game press conference. He said that. In hindsight, that he, he wished he probably had went more to the mid-range. And, and if the game moves really fast and you have to make quick decisions and sometimes you kind of look back and you wish you had did things differently. But I think he's earned earned the right to take those shots at that time. I mean, he's been fantastic in his series on both ends of the floor. And you live and die with, with your quote-unquote star players. And I don't have problems with, it, with him taking those shots. Like you said, maybe he could have went to the mid-range, waited later in the shot clock. But again, I mean, you're in a situation where you, you're in a clutch situation late in the game. Your team needs to score, and you're probably the top scorer on the team outside of, of John Morant. And you think you can make those shots, and you take them. And again, if he had made those shots, I don't think you'd have anybody saying anything. I think people are always hindsight and nitpick things afterwards and play Monday morning quarterback. But uh, I don't have any problem with, with Dylan taking those shots because we've seen him knock down those shots. It's not like they were – bad shots, like the contested shots out of a double team that he was forcing shots up. They were good looks. They just didn't go down. So I, I don't have a problem with him. He was hard on himself, and, and you kind of want your guys to be like that because that means that they're going to gonna try to be better and, and, and realize that they might have made mistakes and could have done something different, and that's just kind of how you want guys to look at it. But I didn't have a problem with those shots at all. Yeah, yeah, same for me, man. Th there's actually – I was trying to think of a specific example of just a, a, a bad shot from him. And even 
like I haven't gone back to watch the game. I, I do remember a couple early early shot clock threes, but it, it's not enough to warrant any type of negative response. Not no, in my opinion. With, with, with the way he's been playing overall, it's definitely yeah, not. It, it just what do you do? You know, if he's one of your best players, and he is, whether you like him, love him, hate him, whatever it is, he's one of the better players on this team, and he's definitely one of the best offensive options because JV's been kind of neutralized in this series because of the defense of Rudy Gobert, you, you just, you have to live with that. You have to, to, okay. Yeah. He missed the shots. He took them early in the shot clock. We could have moved the ball, ran the offense, got better looks, but what kind of momentum do those shots bring? If, if those two early shot clock threes, he knocks them down. What kind of momentum does that swing for the Grizzlies? And it, it's, I, I don't know, man. I will never not defend him. That's you know that that's just kind of I, I've liked him since everybody was crapping on him last year in the bubble and early in the season because I saw the dog in him. I saw the the fight. He wants to guard the best player on the other team. He takes it personal and he busts his ass out there doing it, man. There's not a lot of guys that have that mindset that go out there and put in the work like he does. And that's I, I'm, that's not me bashing any other players. That's just when you watch him play, and it's completely different in person. When you watch him on TV and you're seeing the fouls, and, you know, a lot of time the camera is away from him. You miss some of the things that he does in the game that are spectacular, but they're also not so much spectacular because it's just kind of basic fundamental stuff. All the things that Tim Duncan done that made him great was being really, really good at just fundamental basketball. And Dylan Brooks has some of that. And that's just, I saw that. I want to say, I know that it was in a Rockets game when he was guarding James Harden. I can't remember what year it was. But I, I I said it then. I'm like, this dude is gonna be an all defensive team guy. He will be that person, just based off of the effort that he's given. There's things that he has to do to clean it up. As far as fouling, he knows that. He knows that he's led the league, and you know, fouling the jump shooters. That that's a big thing. Coach Jenkins was asked about. You know, I, I think that he said that they fouled like ten jump shooters in this series. Yeah, they've been watching film. They've been talking about it. They've been addressing it. He thinks that they've made the adjustments to get past that. But those are things that if we see it, they see it as well. You know, he didn't get to this level because he's blind or because he doesn't pay attention to his mistakes. He got to this level because he knows that there's flaws in his game and he's been working. Yeah, I mean, you had, I mean, there's there's so many receipts that, <laughs> that we, we, forgot, we both talked about this. I mean, there were people ready to get rid of DB for back of Tito's in a coat. I mean, they're, yeah, I mean, it was insane. Like to, to see what he's doing now, and look back at kind of even this season. I mean, there were points in this season where people were were kind of kind of tweeting just crazy stuff out there. And I mean, that's they have an egg on their face right now uh, for what this guy's been able to do. And, and it goes back to what you said here at the open. This is still a, a young team, um, and there it's not going to be perfect. I mean, these guys outside of JV and Kyle for for a little bit, they these guys really don't have any playoff experience. I mean, most of these guys have never been in the playoffs. Um, and I mean, it's not going to be perfect, but I mean, the fact that they're here, uh, even in a moment against the number one seed for a chance for those shots to even matter at the end of a game. I mean, just 
is a testament to these guys and how hard they worked and how hard they played. They're still learning. And, I mean, these guys are going to be, again, better forward long term. And DB has really worked on this game because when he, when he came in, nobody thought he was going to be an all-defensive player. I mean, that's not what the thought was about him coming in. I mean, he's a second-round pick. And the fact that you, he's put in work to get to where he is now. The work ethic is not in question. And, again, he always gives 110%. Even when he goes out there and does some things that make you scratch your head, with him, and people always talk about him, he's a ball hog and, and all this stuff. And I never really felt that way. I mean, he did some frustrating things in the past, but I think it was, to me, with him, it's always been in the vein of I'm trying to win. I, I don't think it's just yeah. that he's trying to put up all these numbers and he's a stat guy and doesn't care. And he he wants to win. That's the thing I love about all of these guys. Jaws that built that way. DB's built that way. JV, these guys, they're, everything's about winning. They're willing to sacrifice whatever they need to sacrifice for the, for the greater good of the team. And Jaron is the same way. These guys want to win, and that's, again, the kind of guys you want to have on your team. And, man, shout-out to DB. I've always been on DB Island. I always thought the talk was crazy, and I'm glad to see it all coming together, especially now here on the national stage. Yeah, I, I want to look at um, Jenkins got a technical foul in the second on some que- questionable stuff. And this is a side of him that we, we haven't got a chance to see a whole lot. What what were your thoughts on that, man? Do you think that uh, that he handled? You know, he he got tossed in a game kind of late and, and took the Grizzlies out of it, and he got a little bit of flack about that. But in this one, he was just in his ear and wouldn't yeah. stop. I I'm I'm glad to see this. I'm you're seeing growth from every angle of this Memphis Grizzlies team, not just the players but the coaching staff, and. I think that Jenkins a lot of times gets a ton of crap for for no reason. Like there, I say for no reason is kind of not the right term, but you know he he's not above criticism. There's stuff that he does wrong, but I think a lot of times he gets crap for not stepping up or not doing the right things. And I think that he does the right things, but he doesn't do them in the way that we we are used to seeing them done. So it feels like it's not happening. But you can watch, you know, this series, even going back to the San Antonio game and moving forward, the evolution of Taylor Jenkins as a head coach. Were were you good with this technical call here? What what did you think about that situation? Yeah, man, it, it was good to see. I I, I still kind of wish he had challenged that play. I can't even remember exactly. What it was um, was it the, the DB play. I can't, I can't even I can't remember what it was. Yeah. But I, so if I and I may be wrong, if I'm wrong, you guys can feel free to tweet at me at dwill two one 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 or at the show at Hootball Grizz and tell me. But if I'm not mistaken, this was on a foul. Um, he was coming off of a screen. Mitchell pulls up. Yeah. yeah and that, there was the not much contact. No. And, you know, I was watching the, the national broadcast and even the national broadcast. They're like, I don't know that that was enough yeah. to warrant. And, and, and that's when you know. Foul. That's when you know. When you're yeah, a you small market team and, the, and you have the national guys defending like a, a foul call or no call. That's when you know that it's, it's egregious. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm pretty sure that that was the one that it was on. But I, I don't know that a hundred percent. But yeah, that, that's that's where we were. But yeah, man. I mean, he he was he was fired up. He was asking for it. He knew he was gonna get teed up, and he kept going until he got teed up. He was trying to make a point there, and and, and I like that. I mean, you standing up for your guys because that's something uh, over the two years that he's taken a lot of criticism for. 
And lately, I mean, he's you've seen the growth in that department. I mean, he got tossed in a game uh, of late in the season, and you've seen him just working the refs, and that's something that you really hadn't seen from him, especially going back to his first season. That's just something you didn't see. I still wish he kind of he had challenged that one. I think there was opportunity possibly for them to win that one, but uh, I mean, you you want to see that from him, um, and, and the guys want to see that from him. And that's the thing about it is we've talked about this, but when you talk to the players, they seem to feel like he's he's there for him. He's on his side. He always has been. They they've never really hinted at the fact that they felt like he wasn't wasn't on his side or, or out there having a little business for them. So I think that that's what you care about. What the players think about him, and at least publicly, they've never seemed to feel like. Taylor Jenkins wasn't the guy that stood up for him, but you you love to see that, and, and I was I was happy, man, because I was feeling the same way he was. I mean, it, the way they were calling this game was just ridiculous. Rudy Gobert gets away with so many illegal screens in in these games. I've man. never seen it right right in front of the refs. Like, how do you how do you not call that? I mean, I, and I talk about guys beating to tweet out this morning that Grizzlies guards have to do a better job of fighting through screens. But I mean, it, it's tough uh, if you're not going to get those calls. Rudy Gobert bears like a wall out there, and yeah. it's kind of it's hard to get through those screens. And you're not going to get those calls; it's going to be tough. And I think they, some of them, I felt like they just kind of gave up on them. You gotta, gotta try to fight a little bit harder, man, because they're getting wide open looks off of those things, and that's an adjustment I think that they gotta, gotta make tonight. Because I mean, it, you can't get these guys open looks; they're tough enough when they're getting contested shots. When they're open, I mean, these guys knock down these shots almost. I mean, it feels like ninety at a ninety percent clip when they get these open looks. They're just yeah. knocking him down. Royce O'Neal has just been phenomenal for them, and that they kind of shut him down in game one. And I think that's a big reason kind of why they, why they won that game. I mean, he's been phenomenal in game two and three. That You can't let all those guys get off, and that's kind of what's happening yeah, in, in man, game I, two and three. you got got to stop Con, one of them. Yeah, Conley, Mitchell, Bojan, O'Neal. These guys are just knocking them down. You know, uh, Jordan Clarkson struggled in the first game. He's been better since. This, this is a good Utah Jazz team. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. And, and I mean, they're good. They're one seed you know, for a reason. We're, we're talking about the three-point shooting, and that's, man, great, perfect transition here. Yeah. <laughs> um, th- th- there's been conversations about, oh, you can't let them make 19 threes. Bro, they're yeah. going to shoot close to 50 threes yeah. a game. I mean, they average 16 they're, they're per, per game on them. the season. Yeah. And, yeah, you, you have to – the Grizzlies have to make a respectable amount of threes, and they were they were negative 18 from the yeah, three-point yeah, line. Yeah, they, they hit 13 as they hit 19. Which I, and, I, and I got into a conversation with, uh, I think it's my guy Daniel Stevenson, uh, on Twitter about that, and I'm like – the more important number is is how many threes the Grizzlies make. If they make yeah. forty and you make thirty four, I mean you 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 say well they can't make forty threes. If the Grizzlies make thirty four, I think that's that's a respectable number. I mean the Jazz are going to knock down threes. I mean they average mm-hmm. sixteen per game on the season. If you can have a, a, a negative six differential and you outscore them by twenty in the paint, I think that's a recipe for success for the Grizzlies. I mean you you're not going to be in within. Barring a, a hot shooting night, you're not going to be within two or three threes of them or tie them in three-point shooting. It's just not going to happen. And if you're expecting it, I think you're expecting a little bit too much. That's just not how the Grizzlies, the blueprint for success for them. The blueprint for success for them is being within range, which I mean, negative 18. They were negative 11 in threes for, for, for 33 points in game two. That can't mm-hmm. happen. But 13 of 19 now scored them, 13 19 differential, now scored them by 20 to points in the paint. That's plus two for the Grizzlies. So that's yeah. a recipe yeah. for success. And you know the the matchup, this matchup for the the Grizzlies and what they do, 
it is awful. Out of every team that they could have matched up in the Western Conference, this is the absolute worst matchup that they could have got because of Rudy Gobert. Yeah. There, a, lot of people, is, a lot of people say this is the best, and I, I don't agree with that. I wanted to see I wanted to see this matchup for a couple reasons. And I'm gonna I'm gonna give Gobert a little bit of praise here, and you guys can hate me for it, that's fine. But he's one of the best paint defenders, not one of, he's probably the best paint defender in basketball. Maybe in like uh, he's arguably one of the best paint defenders ever in the ever. history of the game. Yeah. Great shot blocker, excellent timing. The Grizzlies live in the paint. I don't know what the streak is up to now, but it's something crazy and 40 points scored in the paint. The Grizzlies are on a crazy streak of scoring at least 40 points a game in the paint. Rudy, you're going up against a good defensive team with the anchor being one of the best paint defenders ever in the history of the game. There's going to be a struggle there. I wanted to see this matchup because for a young team, if you face a, a team in the playoffs, say they may not, let's say they go up against the Suns. The Suns don't have a paint presence like Rudy Gobert. No. DeAndre Ayton is a great up and coming player, but he is not, not Rudy Gobert. No, he's not Rudy Gobert at all. So, so this definitely not. Yeah, this matchup is is huge to me because the, these are young guys and they are getting out of their comfort zone. You have got to be creative to score on Rudy Gobert. You have got to make the right plays. You got to find the cracks and you got to hit those passes. You got to time that floater just right. We have watched him block shot after shot after shot in this series because that's what he does. That's what he's incredible at. That's what he's amazing at. The Grizzlies, the the growth that they're going to get from this to me far outweighs if they would have matched up against the Suns and beat them. Yeah, that's great. I'm all about getting to the second round, but I think that even if they go, if they win this series, fantastic. If they go on to lose this series, the growth that they're getting from having to play kind of quote unquote outside their box is immeasurable, man. Like this matchup is awful for the Grizzlies because of that, but I wanted to see it for that reason. I don't want them to be able to play their game and be in their comfort zone because when you get in the playoffs, teams make adjustments and you've got to be able to adapt. And I think the Grizzlies have had to adapt more in this series than they would have against anybody else in the Western Conference. Yeah, I agree with you. It's a, it's a for the coaching staff and for the players. Uh, for to your point, uh, to, you, you deep, what Utah does defensively, they change your gameplay, especially for a team like the Grizzlies that. Is known for doing big work in the, paint, in the paint with the floaters, what JV does in the paint. You go up against Phoenix, you can play the game the same way you always play. You might, you might not be successful. You might not win the series, but it, you didn't, they wouldn't have to make a lot of adjustments against Phoenix. DeAndre Aiden is not the defensive president of the paint by any stretch that Rudy, Rudy Gobert is. And the, Rudy yeah. Gobert changes everything that you do, you do uh, in, in the game because, I mean, you can't get it. You have to time those floaters at, at, at different times with the way the screens he sets. It, it makes you make adjustments offensively all all across the board. So, I mean, it is. It is really a great learning experience for not only the players, but for the coaching staff to, to find out how to – it's a chess match and to find out how you can be successful against him with a guy like that in the paint. So, I agree with you on all points there. Yeah, I, I feel like this is in the future – in order for the Grizzlies to get to the next level, you know, we, we the Grizzlies just met, missed the playoffs last season. They were in the play-in. They lost to the Blazers. They get back into the play-in this season. They make the playoffs. 
So the next step from here is a deep playoff run. They they will have to. This Utah Jazz team is they're not old. That this team is going to be good for a little while here, and I think that this is going to be a a landmark team. I don't know if that's the right term, but like this is the measuring stick. They're going to have to get to the point where they can match up against this team and beat this team to get to the level that we all want to see them get to. And to have to face them in their first playoff series, I, I just I was begging for it, man. Yeah, I don't know if you remember your poll on Twitter when you asked and people were saying, you know, I want them to go up against Denver, Denver. Or, or whoever. Yeah. I, I was like, I want to see them go against the Jazz. I wanted to see this matchup, and and that was it, man. I didn't expect them to win a first round playoff series this season, and. Not not to be negative, I, I have expectations that they can beat this team now after watching this series. They can beat them. I didn't expect them to be able to beat somebody in the first round, so I wanted the toughest matchup for them because I wanted them to be able to grow from it, and I think we're getting that for sure. Yeah, my, I said Phoenix, but that was more in the vein of I felt like that was the best team for the opportunity to win a series. As like, like and, yeah. and again... But I agree with I agree with what you're saying. I mean, for learning experience aspect for the players and the coaching staff, this is probably the best matchup they could have could have looked for. Because again, if you go up against Phoenix, you just go out there and do what you do. It either worked or it wouldn't have worked, and, and they wouldn't have made have to make a lot of adjustments. But th- this series is definitely more of a learning experience for these guys. I think Utah is a bit of a, a tougher team as far as what they did, what they do to you defensively. They kind of beat you up and kind of hard nosed team. And that's that's what you want to see these guys going up against. I mean, because this is it's a battle every night against the Utah team. And like you going into this series, I didn't really think the Grizzlies could win this series. Like I, if the Grizz, and, and to be honest, I mean, I, I thought the Grizzlies could win at at maximum two games, and that might be what we get. Or I mean, there's a possibility they might go out down in five. But I don't. I I think the Grizzlies win tonight. I, I feel good about it, and I think this series again. Long term, I mean, this is going to be fantastic for them. I think it's going to pay dividends going forward. And, and that's, I mean, it's so special. I don't think people realize how special what they're doing is. This is the second year of a rebuild, and this team is in the playoffs. I mean, and they were missing their one B piece in Jaron Jackson Jr. for the bulk of the season. And this team is in the playoffs right now. I think that's, and you just look around, their teams, you look up six, seven, eight years down the line. And they're still winning 20 games. I mean, they're not anywhere near the playoffs. Look how long Phoenix was down. And they had good players. I mean, you had Devin Booker. Uh, I mean, they, they were, I mean, and, and they still, and people talk about where the Grizzlies got lucky, won the, and, and it jumped up in the lottery to number two and got John Morant. I mean, Phoenix had Devin Booker, and they couldn't couldn't get into the playoffs. I mean, they had a really, really good run at the end of last season. But before the end, I mean, they weren't even yeah, sniffing the playoffs. Yeah. So this is something special. And I think, Sometimes we don't think people realize that, and we criticize and say, "Oh, well, we wish they could play better, whatever." But this is phenomenal stuff. This is not something that's normal that that you have, especially with the injuries that the Grizzlies have had this season. I mean, this is phenomenal stuff. And again, was they go on to win this series or not? This has been a, a highly successful season for for this franchise, and I think it it bodes well for for what the future is going forward. Yeah, I, I want to mention two franchises for the Grizzlies fan base to look at. And then just because we, we do need to appreciate what we have and the, you know, look at Cleveland. All right. LeBron leaves Cleveland. They've been, they've been a lottery team every season. 
every season. Haven't even been close. <laughs> and, and they're one of the worst teams in the league. And then go out to Sacramento. 15 seasons, the Kings have not made the playoffs. They've been in the lottery 15 seasons in a row. And they have not been able to get out of that. We're super fortunate. The Grizzlies blew this up. We went from the core four, Mike, Mark, blew that up to, yes, they did get lucky in the lottery. But teams get good players and still don't make the playoffs. Yep. De'Aaron Fox is phenomenal. And, you know, I, I think that Ja ends up passing him at some point as far as, like, their, their level. But De'Aaron Fox is a phenomenal basketball player. And he wasn't enough to get that Kings team over the edge. So just because you get lucky and you get a, a good player in the draft doesn't mean it doesn't that guarantee success. No, you know, and, and that that's I think Devin Booker, your your Phoenix example is is spot on, man. Devin Booker, one of the best players in the league, they could not get over the hump until they got Chris Paul there. So it, it's we take for granted. Uh, a lot of times, you know, like the, the Grizzlies were so good for so long with a core four in the playoffs every season fighting, you know, then we, we have this short drought and not, now the Grizzlies are back in it and it's like, oh, you know, that's, that's what's supposed to happen. It's good. It's good as a fan base that we can do that because we want that. We expect that out of this franchise, but this is not the norm. This Not is more of an exception to the rule. You know, you, you some there, there's exceptions to every rule, and this Grizz team and the front office and what they've done is definitely not the rule. It's an exception to the rule. Yeah, I mean, when, when you look back at the history of this franchise, I mean, when they first came to Memphis, they, they were bad. And, yeah. and it, it wasn't that hard at that point because we had never experienced success here with this team. So it was just kind of a different situation then. Then you get – Powell, these guys, Shane Battier, Mike Miller, these guys, Jason Williams, guys mature. They make the playoffs three years in a row, get swept all three years. They blow it up when Powell gone, when they traded Powell to the Lakers. And those down years are bad, man. That it, It's tough when a team is struggling in the lottery every year for, for multiple years. And that's what I'm saying, man. People soak this in and, and don't take this for granted because, like you said, this is an exception to the rule. This is not the norm. I mean, to, to use these fan bases – Six, seven years of losing, man, it's tough. And yeah. that that's this franchise has done something special to be right back here in, in, in just a few years. I mean, that's just something that you don't see every year. So be thankful for this, what we're seeing. And, again, I just think this is the beginning. I mean, the core four era was fantastic. But I, I think this the ceiling for, for this team could be higher than that because I think they the, the core four era, it was fantastic, but it was they were always against the grain with the way that they played the game. I think this – this Grizzly team, this iteration of the Grizzlies here is a modern basketball team, and I think they can win and compete the way, with the way they're playing. I mean, it was hard for that team to win because they were so different than everybody. Slow down basketball. I mean, it could only get you so far. I think there was a ceiling with that, and I don't I don't think there's a ceiling with this team. With a, a guy like John Morant and the way he plays the game, I mean, you get the right pieces in here, and I think this team I think this team could win a championship. And I, and I, I think you look back at the core four era, it was always going to be hard because eventually, you you could be fantastic defensively, but eventually you got to put points on the board. I mean, to win a series, it's hard to win a seven game series against a really good team if you struggle offensively, mm-hmm. and and that's something. I, and I think this team, that's why I think this team, current team, has a higher ceiling. 
I think that I was trying to recall who made this point, but I th- I think it was an excellent point. The team that has the best player on the floor tends to have the advantage. Yeah. And the during the core four era era, there were a lot of good pieces in Tony, Mike, Mark, Zebo, you know, and, and uh, all the different guys that kind of like the role players that rotated there. But in those series, the the Grizzlies never had the best the, player on the yeah, floor. Yeah, they didn't have they didn't have equalizers. And I think that John ja Morant can be that. I think I really, you know, the stuff that he's showing early on, the yeah, the Utah Jazz are making adjustments in this series, and they are still not stopping him. They can't, they can't man. I, I don't. They, they I, are not stopping him, and it, it's. It's not like this is a mediocre they, – they were – the Jazz were the only team in basketball to be top three in offense and in defense. So th- this is a well-rounded team, one of the best defensive teams in the league, and John Morant is having his way with them, man. That's you know credit to him and his work ethic and the time that he's putting in watching this film, the coaching staff putting him in the position to be successful. He may be that for the Grizzlies moving forward. So right now, is he that? I would say no in this series. I think Donovan Mitchell is the best player in this series right now. Yeah. Right right now. But I think in the future, that could easily change to be Ja Morant. And that's something we, we've not had the luxury of having that before as Grizz fans. So it, it's, it's going to be fun to watch, man. And, and, and I'm with you. I, I think that this team is definitely in a spot where they can be competing, winning titles. Um, player development is huge. Watching guys, I'm, I cannot preach this enough. Let Give these guys time to develop. Give them time to develop, and let's see what happens. And, and I'm not saying keep this entire team together, but don't give up on one of your core pieces this early. I, I've, I've watched this fan base roll over on Dylan Brooks and that is changed. now Jaren. And now it's and now it's Jaron. <laughs> Which is crazy, and, man. It's got and, and it's like one years old. <laughs> give these guys time. There's not a lot of 21, 22 year old players that are coming in that are doing the things that John Moran is doing. Some of these guys, Julius Randle's a great example with what he was able to do this year, his seventh season in the league. Yeah, Be- that was, best that was, year that was amazing to watch, man. By far by far. And a lot of that is just being, you know, throughout his career, he's not been in the best situations. He gets to New York, he gets Tibbs in there, and and Thibodeau does a great job, you know, highlighting his skill set. So, give these guys some time to develop. Let's watch this team enjoy it as they continue to climb, and hopefully here in the next few years we're talking about the Grizzlies in a deep playoff run, maybe even competing for a championship. Yeah, so many ways to go to the point you just made about Julius Randle. So much in the NBA is about fit and opportunity. I mean, you, you hear that a lot, and he's a prime example of that. Six, seven year in the league, just by far his best season. I mean, it, it was phenomenal to watch. Like, I'm not a Nick fan or anything like that, but watching what he, he was able to do in his, his seventh season compared to what he had done prior is just a, amazing for a guy to have a breakout like that. After after six seasons in the league, it's it just was amazing to watch. Uh, but – yeah, I mean, I think John Morant eventually could be a guy where you look up and you're in a playoff series against a, another really good team, and he's the best player on the floor. I think mm-hmm. doing what he's doing already in this 
this playoff series. I think that that shows that. Experience-wise, I, I, I agree with you. I think Donovan Mitchell is still the, the best player of the series, but I don't think John Morant is very far off. I mean, he's shown yeah. that on a, on a big stage that he can show up big. And, and kind of go up back to what you were saying before then, I, I think I tweeted this out on Twitter a couple of days ago. I think if, if Utah had an answer for John Moran, I think they you'd see it by now. I, I just don't think yeah. they have an answer yeah. for him. He's and he's talking about it after the game. He's able to pretty much get to his spots anytime he wants to. I I kind of talked about it in early in game three. I'm like, I don't know why he just doesn't go to the basket every time until they prove that they can stop it because they have it. When he's decided that I'm just gonna put my head down, go to the basket. I mean, he's got to the basket, he's a scorer that got fouled probably. 90% of the time when he's done that in the second half, especially, and they just don't have an answer for it. Conley can't stay in, he can't stay in front of him. I mean, there's no, no way. I mean, like Shaq said, barbecue chicken when, 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 yeah, when, when John Morant puts his head down and decides to, to get down here going to the basket, they don't have an answer for it. And again, you, but, but to kind of change gears, man, to look at this box score. If you look at this box score, you look at it, they tired. He's a one every quarter except the first. They lose that one by 12, but you kind of look at the numbers on the team stats, and we mean you talked about this a little bit. This is a, a winning box score for the Grizz. I mean, you look at field mm-hmm. goals, uh, Grizzlies hit 43 shots, Utah hit 40. Um, Three-point percentage, Grizzlies 13-41 for 31.7%. Utah 19-43 for 44.2%. Uh, they're plus six attempts, but they're only plus 18, and I think when you look at these two teams, 13-19, and 19, I think if you, you probably ask Taylor Jacob his coaching staff, Going into a game, if they can be within six threes of a team and outscore them in the paint by 20, I think they take that. Because, again, that's plus two overall um, in, in points. I think actually anything more than that is you're looking for an extremely hot shoot night from, from the Grizzlies. I mean, Utah's going to make threes. Yeah. I, I had some people yeah. on Twitter talking about, well, they hit 19 threes. But, I mean, if you hit 13 for the Grizzlies, I think that's doing good. You're not. That's what they do. I mean, they average 16 makes per game during a regular season. I mean, they're good. 19 is not – that's not a crazy number. I know it sounds like a lot, but that's just what they do. And, I mean, that's the reason why they're the number one seed. They're hard to deal with, and they're going to make threes. That's it. You just want – if you're the Grizzlies, you just want to stay within in, – in striking distance of them. And I think 13 and 19, when being plus 20 in the paint is – I'll take that every night. Um, you look, look at – go, go uh, ahead. Yeah, what, what I was going to say, look at – dig a little bit deeper into the box score – the Grizzlies forced 13 turnovers. The Grizzlies only had nine, so they got 16 points to 12 off of turnovers. And then they outscored them in the paint by 20. We talked about that. Second chance points. And this feels – it didn't feel like this during the game, but the Grizzlies outscored them 21 to 10 in second yeah. chance points. It's 16-7 on offensive boards. Break. You know, they're points in the paint. Second chance points, fast breaks points, points off of turnovers. Pretty much everything. <laughs> all go to the Grizzlies. All go to the Grizzlies. So it, it was getting out of that first quarter without being buried. And, and I, I know that we have had this conversation. I was trying to think of what game it was, but th- there was a game late in the season where the Grizzlies were in the game, but they just buried their – they got trashed in the first quarter – and we're not able to fight their way back into it. And and that's what – so you, you got to see that change. Jenkins and the, and the guys are, are talking about that, about the energy in the first quarter coming out, executing. No, it was the Indiana game. I can't remember. might have been the Indiana game. I can't remember. It was, it was a game late. Yeah, late I think season. it was. Yeah, I think, I think it was the you're Indiana right. game, yeah. Yep. You know, and, and just – came out flat in the first quarter and it buried them, man. So that's, especially in a playoff series, 
you can't do that. And, and this team, the, the Jazz are not going to make a ton of mistakes. You're going to have to capitalize when they do the Grizzlies. And, and this game, we're not able to do that as well as they should have. And, and that's why they lost it. Yeah, I think I think the crowd energy, we talked so much about that and how it's going to be a boost for this team. I think in that first quarter, I think the Grizzlies might have came out a little bit too amped up, too ready. The crowd was ready to go. And I think that kind of affected them in the first quarter. They finally settled in and, and, and were able to get the crowd back in it when they made that run. I think tonight, I think that they'll come out more poised in the first quarter because I'm sure Jenkins drilled that into them. I'm sure that's all they've been talking about since that game is we got to start better. We got to come out with more momentum, get the crowd in it, keep them on our side. And I think that's something that we see tonight. And again, if they can do that tonight and play the same way they did the rest of the game, I think they have a, a good shot of winning. I think one thing that Jenkins kept saying in, in the post-game press conference and since that game is be aggressive but be smart. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's – I know that's kind of tough. I mean, it, and I, I'm not one that harps on officiating. I hate to say it, but, I mean, I, I think it, the, the, the Utah has definitely got the benefit of the whistle in, in this series. I mean, I don't think there's any denying that, even for someone that doesn't doesn't talk about officiating. It's kind of a, of a guy that says, well, I mean, it's going to even out. I think the Utah has got – advantage of, of the the officials in this series. But I think, again, the Grizzlies got to be smart. And, again, I think yeah. be, be, fighting around those screens, I think it's going to be key. I mean, I know it's tough. We talked about this. Rudy Gobert is like a brick wall there. But they, I think they got to do a better job. Some of them, I feel like they, they could have done much about it. But some of them, I feel like they, they kind of gave up uh, on some of them. So you got to be stronger there and, and get out and try to get out on the shooters and, and not foul them. I mean, that's key for Dylan Brooks. They got to have him on the floor. For, mm-hmm. for, his, for his defensive purpose and offensively, what he's doing. And when he's off the floor, it's just tough. I know, I know JV, I, I don't know if there's really anything that you can do with that. Rudy Gobert just gives him problems. And it, it's crazy that he had 10 and 13. It didn't feel like he had 13 rebounds. Yeah. You look you look overall, the Grizzlies out-rebounded Utah 50 to 43 and 16 to 7 on offensive boards. It really didn't feel like that watching the, watching the game. I mean, the Grizzlies actually had the advantage on the boards. But yeah. JV's just not able to get the – the offensive rebounds that he usually gets and make the plays that you see him. I mean, he's just neutralized. Look, in if you look at, at six offensive rebounds for JV, generally when he's got six offensive rebounds, he's going to be close to 20, 20. points. And he only yeah. had 10, man. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, he's getting the offensive rebounds. And, and, and I, you know, you and I kind of talked about this yesterday. I thought that his offensive rebound numbers were way down. And outside of game two, that's not the case. He had six in the first game, three in game two, and then six in game three. So JV is still doing work on the offensive glass, but Gobert is right there to contest those shots. It's not a JV gets offensive rebound and then dunks it right back in because he's got Gobert right there to contest the shots. So, you know, generally you see six offensive rebounds from him, you're getting around 20 points. And that's just not happening. And that's credit to to Gobert and his defensive ability, and also that that Utah Jazz coaching staff for making the adjustments needed to neutralize one of the uh, the big parts of the Grizzlies' offense. Yeah, and like you said, if he, usually if he had six six offensive rebounds, not only would he probably have twenty points, he'd probably have twenty rebounds uh, if he had six offensive. But man, really quick, man, something that we hadn't touched on, man. Shout out to a couple guys, man. Slow mo. 11 points, 13 rebounds, man, five assists, two steals, uh, just filling up that stat line out there. And off the bench, man, the bench was not good in game three, but Grayson Allen, man, came in aggressive, man, just, just putting up shots. And I love to see him when he he's in that mode uh, because when he when he knocks out one, he really gets 
confidence. And he came in and had a big game, 17 points, three rebounds, five of eight from three. Uh, had a steal, 6'11 from the field in 30 minutes, man. He was phenomenal off the bench. But you got they got to get more than that off the bench. But they outscored Utah 26-23 uh, off the bench yeah. in this game. But 17 of that was from, from Grayson Allen. You, you, I think you need at least one more guy off that bench to step up. Yeah, to get around the, the, the double-digit mark, you know. I, and I'm not saying you don't need two guys to drop 17 off the bench, no. but you need two guys that are, nine, you know, somewhere points, between, maybe. like, nine to 15 points yeah. each, you know, like combined for 30. I think that's about where the Grizzlies need to be. So big game for them tonight. This is, you know, by pretty much every measure, a must-win game. It makes it really, really hard. Not impossible, obviously, but really hard for the Grizzlies to have a chance at winning the series if they lose tonight at home. So I'm hoping that we get to see game six back here at the Forum. We'll see. We'll see what happens tonight. Big game. The the, the team, Dylan Brooks, talked about fouling the shooters. Uh, you know, he knows what he needs to do. The coaching staff knows what they need to do. They're making adjustments. Obviously, the Jazz are going to make adjustments as well. But hopefully they can feed off the energy of this crowd. It looks like uh, total attendance was 12,000, 12,000, just under 200 for the, the game at the forum. So that that's including the, uh, you know, ticket sales and then me yeah. and all of that. So, but, you know, I it's going to be right around that same number. Again, it's marked at, at 12,000. That's marked as a sellout. So we're, we're going to be pretty close to that number again tonight. Let's bring the energy. Grizz Nation done a great job. The players and coaches praise Grizz Nation for their energy. Jaron said the city was hyped before the game and they brought it into the game. So I'm pretty sure we're going to do the same thing again tonight. I can't wait to get there, man. Yeah, man. I, I mean, it's it, it's a big opportunity for young team from coaching staff to players. They're definitely definitely saying the right things, man. Let's see if it can translate to the floor. Uh, I mean, I would love to to get a win tonight and 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 make sure it's guaranteed as a game six here. Uh, Grizz Nation has been fantastic. I know some Jazz fans saying that they felt like there weren't as many people here as there were in Utah and blah blah blah. And it's I mean the, the Grizz fans are, are fantastic. I, I know, and this is not being a homer. I think Grizz playoff atmosphere is probably rivals any any in the NBA. Uh, so it, it would be phenomenal if this team can get a win tonight and guarantee that there's another game here at FedEx Forum. And I'm sure Grizz Nation would would love to have an opportunity for a game six coming up on on next Friday. So, uh, again, man, going into this series, I didn't know if I really felt like the Grizz could win this series. I think they can. I mean, they got to clear some clear some things up, but I think they're capable of doing it. And again, man, let's go out, go out and win a big game tonight. All right. You can get the show on Twitter at Hootball Grizz. I'm at DWill2111. Congratulations to the two fans. Hootball Grizz, we sent. It's four people total. We gave away two sets of tickets. Miss uh, Lauren and Chance Baker. Yes, yeah, so I know I got Chance, Chance Baker. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I was trying, let's see what's. I was trying to find Lauren's Lauren Walsh and Chance Baker. Congratulations, guys! We gave away two sets of tickets. They were the lucky ones. They're going to be at Game Four tonight to bring the energy. We hope to see everybody out there. Man, th- this is huge! Can't wait. I'm. I'm had trouble sleeping last night. I'm so excited to get to this game, man. So thank you guys for listening. If you're listening to the show, you enjoy what you're hearing, go to whatever platform you're listening to us on, whether it's iTunes or Stitcher, there's a million podcast apps, wherever you're listening to us, leave us a five-star review. It really helps us out, helps people find us. 
Isaac, let them know where they can find you, man, and get us out of here. Yeah, man, you can find me on Twitter at Isaac underscore Rivals. Make sure follow at Hoopball Grizz, man. We're, we're tweeting throughout the game, live tweeting. Uh, David will be at the game tonight, uh, so, so he's, he's going to be on tweeting. I'll be tweeting through the game as well. Uh, make sure you check out all our podcasts. We're podcasting after, not always after the game on the same night because these late tips have been crazy, uh, but we, we do do a pre-game, after, post-game after most games, so make sure you check that out. Other than that, man, enjoy the game tonight, and hopefully when we come back on here, talking about a, a 2-2 series, man, so it should be fun. I think the Greens got an opportunity to make this a long series, and I think they come out and win tonight. I feel feel good about it. Again, they said all the right things. I think they're going to make the justice to come out on top tonight. Other than that, man, we'll talk to you next time. Man, game four tonight, Fed Storm, 830. Well, we'll talk to you then. Go Grizz. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.